Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Each winter season, we're bombarded with awareness campaigns about protecting ourselves from the flu, RSV, and now COVID. Our runny noses are often paired with a nasty cough that's cleared up with some hot tea and a trip to the pharmacy. But for some of us, that cough never quite goes away. And while we've been swamped with information about the big three cold weather illnesses, one condition that's not as popular but affects millions of Americans is COPD. COPD is short for chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and it's a serious disease that worsens over time. It's an umbrella term, COPD, for two conditions, which are called emphysema and chronic bronchitis, that affect the two parts of which your lungs are made. One is the windpipes, and one is the tissue that exchanges the oxygen from the air and brings it to the blood. Both conditions, emphysema and chronic bronchitis, are present usually in the same patient, but in different amounts. That's Dr. Tony Punturieri, a program officer in the Division of Lung Disease at the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute. COPD obstructs the airways and makes it very hard to breathe. Dr. Siva Sivaraman says this condition usually causes long-term damage. Damage is happening in your lungs, and essentially you can have long-term debilitating symptoms like shortness of breath, cough, mucus production, wheezing, and chest tightness. Sivaraman is a pulmonologist and director for the respiratory therapy department at the Atlantic Care Regional Medical Center. He says that while these symptoms can be managed, there's currently no cure for COPD. Once the damage is done, it usually stays that way. The NIH lists the disease as a major cause of disability and reports that it's the sixth leading cause of death in the U.S. And while the biggest risk factor for developing COPD is cigarette smoke, it's not the only thing to worry about. There are other risk factors where you have second-hand exposure from dust, smoke, or chemical at your workplace long-term that can cause deleterious effects. But essentially, when a person is diagnosed with COPD, we always advise them to know their triggers, to avoid triggers like smoke, air pollution, or fumes. And even though cigarettes are a main culprit, the rise of vaping in young adults is a cause for concern with pulmonologists like Sivaraman. Vaping has relatively come into perspective, especially in the last 10 years or so. And, you know, the studies are ongoing in terms of looking into long-term deleterious effects of vaping. But conceptually, again, any kind of smoke, cigarette smoking or vaping can cause long-term damage, and that's being studied in the current ongoing studies. I always tell all my patients, no smoke is good smoke, right? So even vaping can have long-term deleterious effects in your airways and your lung tissue. Not only do your smoking habits increase your risk for COPD, but where you live also plays a factor. In fact, Punturieri says that people in rural communities are more likely to develop the condition. People who, who live in rural areas actually are twice as likely to have COPD. 
And one of the major reasons is uh, rate of smoking. Cigarette smoking causes 80 to 85% of COPD, and the rates of smoking in rural areas are twice as compared to urban. So that's number one. But then there are some specific rural irritants uh, that are coming from uh, work or other kind of exposure, like mining, manufacturing, or farming that exposes you to dusts and fumes. And all these irritants conjure to cause COPD. Punturieri says another contributing factor may be the lack of access to healthcare in rural areas. 104 hospitals in these communities have closed since 2005. 37 of those have shut down just in the last few years. The Center for Healthcare Quality and Payment Reform estimates that 30% of all rural hospitals are at risk of closing in the near future. Punturieri thinks these closures may be contributing to a lack of awareness around COPD. In fact, it's possible that 70% of COPD cases worldwide are underdiagnosed, according to a 2018 paper published in the American Journal of Respiratory and Critical Care Medicine. Although it starts early, in your 30s and early 40s, as a disease, it manifests itself as symptoms later in life, like in your you know, late 40s, 50s. And uh, for that reason, people may think it's, oh, it's just, a, you know, I'm getting old. It's a sign of aging. And so the symptoms of shortness of breath, wheezing, coughing, and chest tightness are really not considered part of a disease. However, all these symptoms, if they persist, if they're lasting months, are clearly indicative that something is not right. And people that experience that should definitely consult with an healthcare provider. Unfortunately, Sivaraman says many people who experience these symptoms simply move on with their lives for years before seeing a doctor. But if you're staying on top of your yearly physical, the primary care physician will most likely be able to spot symptoms of COPD and give you a referral to a pulmonologist. We can do certain testings like breathing tests, which is called a pulmonary function test, do CAT scans, which is an imaging study for the lungs and also help with smoking cessation. But down the line, based on these findings, we can start them on inhalers or nebulizer treatments, which will help them to breathe easier. Also focuses on deep breathing exercises and appropriate need if they need any oxygen or any supportive care, we provide those as a pulmonologist. Since the condition can't be cured, the treatment plans are always focused on managing the condition as best as possible. And even if you begin to feel better with your deep breathing exercises or inhaler, that doesn't mean you can stop your treatment. So if the symptoms are controlled on the inhalers, we definitely advise them to take the maintenance therapy as long as they should be because we have seen so many instances where patients are feeling better and they stop the inhalers, they end up in the hospital. So unless your provider tells you to discontinue or cut back on inhalers, you shouldn't be doing it on your own. Flare-ups can always occur, especially as we get into the coldest days of winter. However, Sivaraman says that both sides of the extreme, hot and cold, can cause issues. You can see changes or fluctuations in your humidity and the heat that can affect patients with COPD causing flare-ups, but also on the other extreme of having a very cold weather, cold airway can irritate your airways. And also, this is the season for, you know, flu, RSV, all kinds of viruses thriving, which puts them at risk of having a flare-up of your COPD. 
So it's very important when they walk into very cold weather outside, they should have appropriate clothing, uh, have a warm environment inside their home. So all these are important to prevent flare-ups of your COPD. With nearly 16 million adults in the U.S. estimated to have COPD, it's important to know the early warning signs so that you can start treatment and prevent any more damage from occurring. The NIH offers a program called Learn More, Breathe Better that provides education and resources for anyone at risk or who already has been diagnosed with COPD. You can find more information about the program, Dr. Sivasivaraman, Dr. Tony Punturieri, and all of our guests on our website, radiohealthjournal.org. For more behind the scenes, follow Radio Health Journal on Facebook, Instagram, and X. Our writer producer is Kristen Farah. Our production manager is Jason Dickey. I'm Greg Johnson. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. So seizures are more common in either younger age group or older age group. But as I tell my patients, anybody who has a brain can have a seizure. Are you at risk for a sudden seizure? Then, a look into the life of a trauma surgeon. It is inevitable patients are going to die. They come in dying and you do everything you can and they're not going to always survive. All that and more on Radio Health Journal. Elizabeth Westfield, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. There was lots of little moments, things like me asking my four-year-old son to come sit on my lap and him saying, no, mom, you smell bad and your teeth are purple. She was a corporate success, but behind closed doors, she was downing two bottles of wine a day. Then they pushed me, shoved me, kicked me, punched me, jabbed me with the American flag still attached to the flagpole. A former Capitol Police sergeant recounts the traumatic events of January 6th. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal.